My Lady Ormel, is Harry Hereford armed? Yea, at all points, and longs to enter in. The Duke of Norfolk, spritefully and bold, stays but the summons of the appellant's trumpet. Why then, the champions are prepared, and stay for nothing but his majesty's approach. Marshal, demand of yonder champion the cause of his arrival here in arms. Ask him his name, and orderly proceed to swear him in the justice of his cause. In God's name, and the King's, say who thou art, and why thou comest thus knightly clad in arms. Against what man thou comest, and what thy quarrel. Speak truly, on thy knighthood and thy oath, as so defend thee heaven and thy valour. My name is Thomas Mowbray, Duke of Norfolk, who hither come engaged by my oath, which God defend a knight should violate, both defend my loyalty and truth to God, my king, and my succeeding issue, against the Duke of Hereford that appeals me, and by the grace of God and this man I'm to prove him in defending of myself a traitor to my God, my king, and me. And as I truly fight, Defend me, Evan. Marshal, ask yonder knight-in-arms both who he is and why he cometh hither thus plated in habiliments of war, and formally, according to our law, to pose him in the justice of his cause. What is thy name, and wherefore comest thou hither before King Richard in his royal lists? Against whom comest thou, and what's thy quarrel? Speak like a true knight, so defend thee heaven. Harry of Hereford, Lancaster, and Derby am I, who ready here do stand in arms to prove, by God's grace and my body's valor, in lists on Thomas Mowbray, Duke of Norfolk, that he is a traitor, foul and dangerous to God of heaven, King Richard, and to me. And as I truly fight, defend me heaven. On pain of death, no person be so bold or daring hardy as to touch the lists, except the marshal and such officers appointed to direct these fair designs. Lord Marshal, let me kiss my sovereign's hand and bow my knee before his majesty, for Mowbray and myself are like two men that vow a long and weary pilgrimage. Then let us take a ceremonious leave and loving farewell of our several friends. The appellant in all duty greets your highness and craves to kiss your hand and take his leave. Oh, we will descend and fold him in our arms. Cousin Hereford, as thy cause is right, so be thy fortune in this royal fight. Farewell, my blood, which if today thou shed, lament we may, but not revenge thee dead. Oh, let no noble eye profane a tear from me if I be gored with Mowbray's spear, 
As confident as is the falcon's flight against a bird do I with Mowbray fight. My loving lord, I take my leave of you. Of you, my noble cousin, Lord O'Merle, not sick, although I have to do with death, but lusty, young, and sheerly drawing breath. Lo, as at English feasts, so I regret the daintiest last to make the end most sweet. O thou, the earthly author of my blood, whose youthful spirit in me regenerate, doth with a twofold vigor lift me up to reach at victory above my head, and proof unto mine armor with thy prayers, and with thy blessing steal my lance's point, that it may enter Mowbray's waxen coat, and furnish new the name of Jonagaunt, even in the lusty haviour of his son. God in thy good cause make thee prosperous. Be swift like lightning in the execution, and let thy blows, doubly redoubled, fall like amazing thunder on the cask of thy adverse pernicious enemy. Rouse up thy youthful blood, be valiant, and live. Mine innocency and St. George to thrive. However God or fortune cast my lot, there lives or dies, true to King Richard's throne, a loyal just and upright gentleman, never did captive with a freer art, cast off his chains of bondage, and embraced his gold and uncontrolled enfranchisement more than my dancing soul doth celebrate this feast of battle with mine adversary, most mighty liege, and my companion peers take from my mouth the wish of happy years, as gentle and as jocund as to jest go I to fight, truth at the quiet breast. Farewell, my lord. Securely I espy virtue with valor couched in thine eye. Order the trial, Marshal, and begin. Harry of Hereford, Lancaster, and Derby, receive thy lance, and God defend the right. Strong as a tower in hope, I cry amen. Go bear this lance to Thomas, Duke of Norfolk. Harry of Hereford, Lancaster, and Derby, stands here. For God, his sovereign, and himself, on pain to be found false and recreant, to prove the Duke of Norfolk, Thomas Mowbray, a traitor to his God, his king, and him, and dares him to set forward to the fight. Here standeth Thomas Mowbray, Duke of Norfolk, on pain to be found false and recreant, both to defend himself and to approve Henry of Hereford, Lancaster, and Derby to God, his sovereign, and to him disloyal, courageously and with a free desire, attending but the signal to begin. Sound trumpets and set forward combatants. Stay! The king hath thrown his warder down. Let them lay by their helmets and their spears and both return back to their chairs again. Withdraw with us, and let the trumpets sound while we return these dukes what we decree. Draw near, and list what with our counsel we have done. For that our kingdom's earth should not be soiled with that dear blood which it hath fostered, and for our eyes do hate the dire aspect of civil wounds plowed up with neighbor's sword, and for we think the eagle-winged pride of sky-aspiring and ambitious thoughts, with rival-hating envy set on you to wake our peace, which, in our country's cradle, draws the sweet 
infant breath of gentle sleep, which so roused up with boisterous untuned drums, with harsh resounding trumpets dreadful bray, and grating shock of wrathful iron arms, might from our quiet confines fright fair peace, and make us wade even in our kindred's blood. Therefore, we banish you our territories. You, Cousin Hereford, upon pain of life, till twice five summers have enriched our fields, shall not regret our fair dominions, but tread the stranger paths of banishment. Your will be done, this must my comfort be. Sun that warms you here shall shine on me, and those his golden beams to you here lent shall point on me and gild my banishment. Norfolk, for thee remains a heavier doom, which I with some unwillingness pronounce. The sly slow hours shall not determinate the dateless limit of thy dear exile. The hopeless word of never to return breathe I against thee, upon pain of life. I have a sentence, my most sovereign liege, and all unlooked for from your highness's mouth. A dearer merit, not so deep a maim as to be cast forth in the common air have I deserved at your highness's hands. The language I have learned these forty years, my native English, now I must forego. And now my, my tongue's use is to me no more than an unstringed viol or a harp, or like a cunning instrument cased up, or being open, put into his hands that knows no touch to tune the harmony. Within my mouth you have enjailed my tongue doubly portcullis with my teeth and lips and dull unfeeling barren ignorance has made my jailer to attend on me i i am far too old to fawn upon a nurse too far in years to be a pupil now what is thy sentence then but speechless death which robs my tongue from breathing native breath. It boots thee not to be compassionate. After our sentence, plaining comes too late. Then thus I turn me from my country's light, to dwell in solemn shades of endless night. Return again and take an oath with thee. Lay on our royal sword your banished hands. Swear by the duty that you owe to God, our part therein we banish with yourselves to keep the oath that we administer. You never shall, so help you truth and God, embrace each other's love in banishment, nor never look upon each other's face, nor never write, regret, nor reconcile this lowering tempest of your homebred hate, nor never by advised purpose meet to plot, contrive, or complot any ill against us, our state, our subjects, or our land. I swear. And I, to keep all this... Norfolk, so far as to mine enemy, by this time had the king permitted us, one of our souls had wandered in the air, banished this frail sepulchre of our flesh, as now our flesh is banished from this land. Confess thy treasons, ere thou fly the realm, since thou hast far to go, bear not along the clogging burthen of a guilty soul. No, Bolingbroke. If ever I were traitor, my name be blotted from the book of life, and I from heaven banished as from hence. But what thou art, 
God, thou, and I do know, and all too soon I fear the king shall rue. Farewell, my liege. Now no way can I stray, save back to England all the world's my way. Oh, uncle. Even in the glasses of thine eyes I see thy grieved heart. Thy sad aspect hath from the number of his banished years plucked four away. Six frozen winters spent. Return with welcome home from banishment. How long a time lies in one little word. Four lagging winters and four wanton springs and in a word. Such is the breath of kings. I thank my liege that in regard of me he shortens four years of my son's exile. But little vantage shall I reap thereby, for ere the six years that he hath to spend can change their moons and bring their times about, my oil-dried lamp and time-bewasted light shall be extinct with age and endless night. My inch of taper will be burnt and done, and blindfold death not let me see my son. Ah, why, uncle, thou hast many years to live. But not a minute, king, that thou canst give. Shorten my days thou canst with sullen sorrow, And pluck nights from me. But not lend a morrow, Thou canst help time to furrow me with age. But stop no wrinkle in his pilgrimage. Thy word is current with him for my death, But dead, thy kingdom cannot buy my breath. Thy son is banished upon good advice, whereto thy tongue a party verdict gave. Why at our justice seems thou then to lower? Things sweet to taste prove in digestion sour. You urged me as a judge, but I'd rather you would have bid me argue like a father. Oh, had it been a stranger, not my child, to smooth his fault I should have been more mild. A partial slander sought I to avoid and in the sentence my own life destroyed. Alas, I looked when some of you should say I was too strict to make mine own away. But you gave leave to my unwilling tongue against my will to do myself this wrong. Cousin, farewell. And uncle, bid him so. Six years we banish him, and he shall go. Cousin, farewell. What presence must not know, from where you do remain, let paper show. My lord, no leave take I, for I will ride as far as land will let me by your side. Oh, to what purpose dost thou hold thy words, that thou returnst no greeting to thy friends? I have too few to take my leave of you, when the tongue's office should be prodigal to breathe the abundant dolor of the heart. Thy grief is but thy absence for a time. Joy absent, grief is present for that time. Ah, what is six winters? They are quickly gone. To men enjoy, but grief makes one hour ten. Call it a travel that thou takest for pleasure. 
My heart will sigh when I miscall it so, which finds it an enforced pilgrimage. The sullen passage of thy weary steps esteem as foil, wherein thou art to set the precious jewel of thy home return. Nay, rather every tedious stride I make will but remember me what a deal of world I wander from the jewels that I love. Must I not serve a long apprenticehood to foreign passages, and in the end, having my freedom, boast of nothing else but that I was a journeyman to grief? All places that the eye of heaven visits are to a wise man ports and happy havens. Teach thy necessity to reason thus. There is no virtue like necessity. Think not the king did banish thee, but thou the king. Woe doth the heavier sit where it perceives it is but faintly born. Go, say I sent thee forth to purchase honour, and not the king exiled thee. Or suppose devouring pestilence hangs in our air, and thou would fly into a fresher clime. Look, what thy soul holds dear, imagine it to lie that way thou goest, that whence thou comest. Suppose the singing birds musicians, the grass wherein thou treadst the presence strew, the flowers fair ladies, and thy steps no more than a delightful measure or a dance. For gnarling sorrow hath less power to bite the man that mocks at it, and sets it light. Oh, who can hold a fire in his hand by thinking on the frosty Caucasus, or cloy the hungry edge of appetite by bare imagination of a feast, or wallow naked in December snow by thinking on fantastic summer's heat? Oh, no. The apprehension of the good gives but the greater feeling to the worse. Fell sorrow's tooth doth never rankle more than what he bites, but lanceth not the sore. Come, come, my son, I'll bring thee on thy way. Had I thy youth and cause, I would not stay. Then England's ground, farewell. Sweet soil, adieu. My mother and my nurse that bears me yet, Where'er I wander, boast of this I can, Though banished, yet a true-born Englishman. We did observe. Oh, Cousin Amaral, how far brought you High Hereford on his way? I brought High Hereford, if you call him so, but to the next highway, and there I left him. And say, what store of parting tears were shed? Well, in faith, none for me except the northeast wind, which then blew bitterly against our faces, awaked the sleeping room, and so by chance did grace our hollow parting with a tear. What said our cousin when you parted with him? Farewell. And for my heart disdained that my tongue should so profane the word, that taught me craft to counterfeit oppression, of such grief that words seemed buried in my sorrow's grave. Mary would the word farewell have lengthened hours and added years to his short banishment. He should have had a volume of farewells, but since it would not, he had none of me. He is our cousin, cousin. But tis doubt when time shall call him home from banishment, whether our kinsmen come to see his friends. 
ourself and Bushy, Bagot here and Green, observed his courtship to the common people. How he did seem to dive into their hearts with humble and familiar courtesy. What reverence he did throw away on slaves, wooing poor craftsmen with the craft of smiles and patient underbearing of his fortune as twere to banish their affects with him. Off goes his bonnet to an oyster wench. A brace of draymen bid Godspeed him well and had the tribute of his supple knee with thanks, my countrymen, my loving friends, as were our England in reversion his. And he, our subjects, next degree in hope. Well, he is gone, and with him go these thoughts. Now, for the rebels which stand out in Ireland, expedient manage must be made, my liege, ere further leisure yield them further means for their advantage and your highness' loss. We will ourselves in person to this war. And for our coffers, with too great a court and liberal largesse, are grown somewhat light. We are enforced to farm our royal realm, the revenue whereof shall furnish us for our affairs in hand. If that come short, our substitutes at home shall have blank charters, whereto, when they shall know what men are rich, they shall subscribe them for large sums of gold, and send them after to supply our wants, for we will make for Ireland presently. Ah, Bushy, what news? Old John of Gaunt is grievous sick, my lord, suddenly taken. He hath sent post haste to entreat your majesty to visit him. Where lies he? At Alley House. Ah, now put it, God, in the physician's mind to help him to his grave immediately. The lining of his coffer shall make coats to deck our soldiers for these Irish wars. Come, gentlemen, let's all go visit him. Pray God we may make haste and come too late. Amen. The Pendant Shakespeare, also known as the Wild Bill Variety Show. Richard II, Act One, Part Two. Featuring the voice talents of Jose Donado as King Richard II, Christopher Gilstrap as Henry Bolingbroke, Edward Herman as John of Gaunt, Julia Eve as Lady Marshall, Natalia Orlovsky as the Duchess of Aumerle, Jason R. Wallace as Thomas Mowbray, Duke of Norfolk, Kristen Bays as Bushy, Jordan Haas as the First Herald, Lisa Michaud as the Second Herald, and Alexis Agelsov as Green. Written by William Shakespeare, adapted for audio by Landon Bell, directed by George Linfield, Assistant Director Joel Rowan, music by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2018 Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening. The king is come. Deal mildly with his youth. For young hot colts being raged do rage the more. Next time on The Pendant Shakespeare. What comfort, man? How is with aged gaunt? Oh, how that name befits my composition. Old Gaunt indeed, and Gaunt in being old. Within me grief hath kept a tedious fast, and who abstains from meat that is not Gaunt? Can sick men play so nicely with their names? How long shall I be patient? Ah, how shall tender duty make me suffer wrong? Gaunt am I for the grave, 
gaunt as a grave, whose hollow womb inherits naught but bones. Gaunt says his piece in Richard II, Act Two, Part One, presented by the Wild Bill Variety Show. To horse, to horse, urge doubts to them that fear. Listen or catch up anytime on desktop or mobile at pendantaudio.com. <laughs>